Maryland podcast. I'm Varun Shunker. He's Jacob Steinberg, and we're recording on Sunday night, a day after the Maryland Terrapins lost their season opener by a score of 43-3. to Jacob, how you doing? How was the game last night? What's up? Yeah, I'm doing well. Today's uh, NFL football was certainly a lot more entertaining (laughs) and fun to watch than uh, last night's game. Last night's game, as you referenced, the 40-point loss was a real tough one for the Terps, and they don't have long to uh, look back on it because they have a short week this week. They play Minnesota on Friday night, so they got to move on. Although it was a really tough loss, they got to look ahead already. I remember I was talking to my dad, and I was like, man, I'm a Washington NFL fan. Jacob's a Giants fan. Our weekends are just going to be filled with bad football if this keeps up. And he was like, yeah, I mean, you have the option not to watch one. I was like, yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, Let's start with, you know, a quick recap of the biggest moments that happened in the game. First possession, Maryland gets the ball, marched down the field. I'd say really efficiently. They looked really crisp offensively, kick a field goal. It's like, oh, we may have something with Talia. I mean, listen, I had tweets coming and saying, oh, Talia is a real deal. And I felt it too. I was like, he looked poised. He looked composed. What did you see on that first drive from the offense? Yeah, a lot of the same things you saw. It looked like he was in a great rhythm. Maryland ran uh, the run pass option very often. He threw a bullet into Dante Demas for a first down. Demas made a great catch. It looked like early on the Northwestern cornerbacks, particularly on the left side, were giving the Maryland receivers about an eight-yard cushion, and Tua was taking those short, easy completions, which is definitely something that was smart to do, and I think he stopped doing as the game went on, and that's something that I think Maryland's going to need to do moving forward. But typically every game, the uh, offense has their opening drive, first 15 or so plays scripted and you could definitely tell that because Tua or not Tua Talia excuse me look I say t- the t- most t- comfortable t- during that period. yeah I was typing out the notes and I kept having to correct Tua to Talia because I kept writing Tua um all right and then from there I guess you could describe what happened as it like uh, disasters I mean it was it was it was they gave up 43 straight points right and there was a total meltdown in every single phase of the game offensively Talia threw a pick and then right after that uh the defense gives up a touchdown and then the second pick led to or, or the first pick led to the Peyton Ramsey touchdown and that was one where he just outran Nick Cross to the boundary and into the end zone and then on special teams so Talia ended up throwing three picks and then you had Isaiah Jacobs returning the kickoff just had the ball go right through his hands fumble they get the ball and that was when the game was really like capital O over so let's so we're gonna start with um the good the bad and the ugly but uh i mean jake what were just like your overall thoughts for the entire game yeah i mean in terms of the overall game the biggest thing that stood out to me was and i thought it's pretty interesting i know when you met with the two uh writers from the daily northwestern they talked about how key for maryland would be starting out fast because last season when northwest 
Western would make one mistake, mistakes would just keep coming and they cascaded on themselves. And that was the script for Maryland last night. Maryland has 56 new players on this roster. They're filled with youth and inexperience. And you could tell that last night after Talia threw that first interception and then he threw the second one, you could tell he was completely off with his rhythm. The next drive, he had a naked bootleg. He had Dante Demas three yards away, wide open, threw it behind him on a routine ball that I guarantee you if he threw a hundred more times, he'd probably complete 99 of them. So it definitely hurt Maryland's offense. And they're also, it's not all on Talia. There were some drops as well on the offense. And considering they were down so much, they couldn't really establish the run game. So Northwestern was stacking the box and daring Talia to throw to beat them, which ultimately was tough. And also Northwestern's rushing attack ran all over Maryland. They had 325 rushing yards, which is not something that you see very often in a college football game. And I Northwestern is not necessarily known for having one of the best rushing attacks in the country. So those are the two biggest things that stood out to me. Yeah, so we're going to get to the first segment we got here, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But before that, I'm going to be using some advanced stats when I talk about stuff. So I'm going to just quickly give an explanation on the biggest one that I'm going to use a lot, which is EPA or expected points average. So EPA is just a better way to understand what happens in a football game based on the situation. So the first thing it does is it takes out all garbage time and it looks only at when games are actually competitive. Then what EPA does is it takes into account the other things that aren't factored into a box score. So that's stuff like down and distance, field position, stuff like that. In a, so, in a, so for example, in a regular box score, four yards is just four yards, right? But there's added context that needs to be added to those four yards. Because if you get four yards on third and three, that's incredibly different than getting four yards on third and 15. Four yards on third and three is great. Third and 15, not as much. The same can be said for field position. As you get closer to the gold line, let's say like inside the 10 or inside the five, yards are so much harder to get. And so a gain of three there is so much more valuable than a gain of three is at midfield. The same is true in reverse. If you lose yards backed up inside your own five-yard line, those yards are so much more costly than losing three yards at the 25. EPA takes all of that into account. So a very simple way to look at it is if a player's EPA is positive, they're contributing towards scoring points. If their EPA is negative, they're hurting the team on offense. It's a number used by a lot of people, a lot of analysts to better look at the impact on a game. It's like looking at just a total yardage total, but it just gives more context to really better understand the situations. When you're looking at stuff like situational football, it really helps there. And so I'm going to be using uh, collegefootballdata.com's EPA stat. They call it PPA just because it's their own metric, but I'm just going to keep calling it EPA just for easiness. I'm going to use it a lot when I'm in this podcast and in some of my writing. All right, so let's get to the good, the bad, the ugly. Jacob, what did you think was good from the Terrapins today? Yeah, there really wasn't too much good in a 40-point loss, but the biggest thing for me that stood out that was good was the first drive, just trying to take that and build on those plays moving forward. As I talked about earlier, it seemed like Talia was really comfortable running the run-pass option offense, particularly attacking the middle of the field, and also throwing those seven- to eight-yard curl routes and hitch routes, which seemed to be really effective, and I think that's something that Maryland's offense is going to need to build on moving forward. Uh, considering Talia's struggles targeting deep balls and trying to make big plays deep, throwing into double coverage twice. I think that's something that Maryland's offense needs to try and do more moving forward so they can try and emulate what they did on the first drive and score more points against a really tough Minnesota team coming up. 
Yeah, I thought the short passing game was maybe the best thing they did all game. When he was on the three-step drop and when he hit his back foot, the ball came out. It looked crisp. It was accurate and it was very clean. The slants were great. The little hitches they threw were really nice. You can't build an entire offense out of that, but there is some stuff to gain for that. I also thought that Dante Demas was really good. He had four receptions for 41 yards, and he uh, had a plus 1.9 EPA, the best on Maryland by far. Uh, honorable mention just in some garbage time. I thought Penny Boone in his limited action looked pretty good. Five rushes, 30 yards. He's a, I, I did not expect him to be as big as he was. I mean, he's an absolute unit, runs with nice power, runs with good pad position, and su- surprising speed. So those were things I found good. Anything else for you? Yeah, I, I remember. Uh, piggyback what you're talking about on the run game although Maryland didn't run the ball too often even Jake Funk when he was running a little bit early on the running game was efficient both him and Penny Boone seemed to have a nice one-two punch Isaiah Jacobs struggled with the ball security a little bit throughout the night he fumbled the kickoff he also fumbled one of the handoffs luckily he recovered so I, I I'm definitely intrigued to see how Maryland's run game is moving forward and I think we're going to see a nice potentially one-two punch with Jake Funk and Penny Boone all right, now let's get to the bad. I'm going to start with Peyton Ramsey did whatever he wanted to do against the trips. I mean, he threw for 212 yards with a touchdown and then ran for 47 yards with another touchdown. He had a 22.8 EPA. That's the third best out of every quarterback uh, in the Big Ten behind Justin Fields and the Penn State quarterback whose name I'm blanking on right now. But he did whatever he wanted. He was really good. He, I mean, guys were wide open when he wanted to run. He had it on that bootleg, whether it was that or when he ran for the touchdown on the left side, he was just, I mean, the Maryland defense had no answers for him. I don't think they, I think they could have blitzed a little bit more, brought a little bit more heat, but the back end wasn't holding up well in coverage. So what, what do you think happened there with Ramsey? Yeah, we talked about it before on the preview episode. Ramsey has the ability to make plays with both his legs and his arm, and we saw that all night. Uh, We talked about how one of the keys would be keeping Ramsey in the pocket and making sure he was contained, and Maryland did not do a good job of that. And my bad from the game goes back to one of my keys before the game in situational football. Northwestern was 8 of 16 on third down opportunities, and they converted all three of their fourth down opportunities opportunities one of the biggest keys for Maryland's defense is getting off the field throughout the season and a lot of those the biggest issue was a lot of those third down situations for Northwestern were third and five or less and were very manageable and were easy conversions the Terps need to do a better job of setting up their opponents in longer third down opportunities that way they can get their pass rush going a little bit they don't have many options on their pass rush but when you can get an offense into a third and 11 third and 12 or something like that you can you can have the offense on your on their heels and you can have the pass rushers just going full tilt at the quarterback and that's definitely something that Maryland is going to need moving forward as you cited the struggle on the back end of their defense in the secondary yeah i mean the defense like you said didn't stop the run or the pass they were put like let's be clear they were put in some bad situations because of the turnovers but still they, they, there was a lot to be desired from the defense all right let's get to the ugly who do you got or what do you got Yeah, for the ugly, it's going to go back to something I talked about before. And like you said, I'm not blaming this all on the defense. The offense had four turnovers, which is not a good formula to win a football game. But you're not going to win a football game giving up 325 rushing yards. And the biggest thing, in addition to giving up those 325 rushing yards, and I asked Coach Loxley about it after the game, was that Northwestern was consistently attacking the edges of the Maryland defense. A lot of their longer runs were on the perimeter, and Coach Loxley pinpointed it to one thing. we got to do a better job with gap control. Guys were getting cut down and moving out. Out of their gaps and that allowed Northwestern to get a lot of their long runs. I know John Drake Anderson's 37 yard run. That's what 
he did. He cut to the outside. Evan Hull's 30-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter, he did the exact same thing. And Coach Loxley said they're going to go back and evaluate whether it's something schematically that they need to work on or something fundamentally. But the Terps' run defense definitely needs to figure it out. Yeah, my ugly is going to go on the offense. Talia cannot play the way he did if Maryland's going to have any kind of success this year, right? We talked about it this year in the season preview episode. A successful season for the Terps is identifying who their quarterback is. And Talia, from what he – I mean, he – he was really bad. Let's for, let's start with the picks, right? The first pick, he just kind of overthrew Jared. Would you, would you agree with me? Yep, I would agree. The second and third picks were really, really concerning because that's him, especially on the third one, that's him evading pressure, making a pretty nice play, and then just bombing it into double coverage. I don't know if it was him misreading the coverage or if it was the pressure in his face, but you can't do it. I mean, you just cannot have three picks. I mean, he play, He was the worst player in this game, and like it wasn't particularly close. He had a minus 1.6 EPA. He was the worst quarterback in the Big Ten after week one. The worst. There was no one worse than him right now. What happened? What do you think happened with him? Because everything we heard coming out of camp was glowing, right? And this guy's had a QB coach since he was, I don't know, 10 years old or whatever they were saying on the broadcast. What happened to Talia? Yeah, I think there were two things that happened to Talia. First of all, he talked about in the press conference yesterday how after he threw the first interception, that was a mistake, as you as you referenced, he overthrew Rakeem Jarrett a little bit. But the second two intercepts, interceptions, excuse me, he took complete ownership of. He said, that's completely on me. That's something that I have to do better of, which I commend the young quarterback for. And as you said, if Maryland's going to have more success moving forward or really any success, it's going to have to be a lot of it on Talia's shoulders. But for me, the big thing on those two interceptions was, and I think this is the issue with a lot of young quarterbacks is they don't learn to live for another down. When the play breaks down, they just want to continue and try and make a miraculous game saving play. As you mentioned, particularly on the third interception, Talia faced pressure, did a nice job of evading it. And instead of maybe checking it down or throwing the ball away with no one open, he tried to make a big play and sailed one deep into double coverage and it was easily intercepted. If Maryland's going to win games, they're they're not going to be able to turn the ball over and Talia's going to need to learn, which a lot of young quarterbacks need to learn, as I said, and I'm sure Coach Loxley emphasized this to him, you need to learn to live for another down and as the saying goes, fight for another play. And if he doesn't, I don't think Talia's going to have much success at the quarterback position. Yeah, uh, Talia said that Loxley was telling him on the sideline, take what the defense gives you. And that's something he has to do. Because there were opportunities for him to use his legs a little bit more than I think he did. And I feel like that's something that could be really beneficial towards him. One big thing for me was on that third, it was a third and one. And he overthrew a receiver on a deep wheel route, I think. He had room to run there for a first down, right? It's third and one. You need one yard. Why are you going over the top when you haven't had success throwing the deep ball? It was really, really a concerning performance from Talia because – those are bad mistakes, right? I mean, those are killer mistakes. You cannot throw three picks and expect to win a game. They, they didn't. They didn't come anywhere close. He just has to be better. Uh, I have. You want to go to your one big number for this game? Yeah, my one big number is 13. 
That was the number of Northwestern's rushing plays that were more than 10 yards on the night, which amounted to their 325 yards. I don't want to keep harping on the 325 yards, but normally, I mean, Maryland gave up plenty of chunk plays in the passing game as well. But if they're going to want to stay in games and, and show a better defensive performance, they're going to have to do better at maintaining their gaps, improving their gap control. And that's going to be the biggest thing that I'm going to be looking out for this Friday against the Minnesota rushing attack that had a great success against Michigan, although they lost. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, one of the things that I saw on the defense, Chance Campbell was talking a little bit about the abbreviated practice time and how it maybe hurt them as a team, but everyone's dealing with that. You got to tackle better than they did. I mean, you got to, like you said, set the edge better than they did. Devoted, they brought some guys up to the line of scrimmage later in the game, Loxley said, to have two forces on either side uh, of the formation so you could be able to set the edge a little bit better, and that helped, but then you're taking away resources from pass defense, and, you know, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, I think this is saying. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my one big number is negative four. I threw a lot of fancy stats at you guys, but this one's really, really simple. That's Maryland's uh, turnover differential so far. You can't turn the ball over four times and not force a single turnover and expect to win a game because you're giving up possession. You're giving them good field position. Three of them were, I mean, listen, the three Talia picks, we've talked about them at length. They can't continue to happen. But the fumble, I mean, the fumble on the kickoff is, that's one of the most demoralizing plays because you just gave up probably a long uh, touchdown drive or a field goal. And now you're giving the defense, they have to come back on the field and they've got a short field to work with. I mean, that was that one was a killer. Uh, my three biggest takeaways, I'm going to start with the defensive front seven, Nowhere near dynamic enough. They had no sacks, just three hurries. And there was a lot of short yardage gains by Northwestern on the fourth downs where they would use the sneak and move ahead. They did that with regularity, extended drives, long drives. Like you said, they couldn't get off the field to save their life. And, you know, that was really uh, disappointing. What's your uh, one of your biggest takeaways? Yeah, one of my biggest takeaways is something that I talked about earlier. Maryland's youth and inexperience were on full display last night. As I mentioned, they have 56 new players on the roster. And granted, that's not an excuse for their poor performance. And given the truncated offseason, Coach Loxley talked about how it's an added challenge for them. But it's definitely something that they're going to need to address moving forward. They got a lot of guys in there on both sides of the ball. Both quarterbacks played. They got all their running backs in. They got a lot of their rotational linebackers in, a lot of the rotational players in the secondary. So it's Maryland's going to need to find their their guys that they can trust, whether they're young, whether they're older. And after the after last game, I don't know too many guys that they that they, in my head I can think of maybe five or six bona fide guys that I feel extremely confident in throwing out on the field, but the rest of, of the lineup, I don't feel too secure with. And the thing is that the only way that those players are going to get better is being on the field more. And that's a really tough challenge for coach Loxley and his staff, because while reps in practice are important, reps in the game are so much more important against another, against another opponent, not facing your same team in practice. So I'm really intrigued to see how coach Loxley and his staff make some schematic and maybe lineup adjustments entering the second week. Yeah. Another thing for me was uh, you talked about a little bit about how the run game wasn't as bad as like the passing offense, which is true, but the run game wasn't necessarily good either. Right. They only averaged 3.2 yards per carry and they were stuffed at the line of scrimmage or before on 43% of carries. You got to get more push from the offensive line, which actually I thought the offensive line did a decent job in pass protection for the most part. There was a couple of plays where they let uh, rushers through, but a, a couple of those were on a uh, blitzes. I think, yeah, that, that was another thing that I wanted. I asked uh, Tali about in the post game. 
there was a lot of free rushers coming in. And I don't know if that was on him in terms of blitz pickup. What do you think happened there? Yeah, I think it's all about communication. I think that that was another area where Maron struggled with all night. And I think that's another factor that can be attributed to their youth. Talia, when you asked him about it, he took ownership and said, that's on me. That's something that I need to recognize. But at the same time, Johnny Jordan is a senior center. So if he sees that and maybe young quarterback doesn't see it, he's got to relay that to the quarterback, whether it's whether he changes the play, has an audible, or he just calls Talia over and alerts him that a potential blitz may be coming. That's definitely something that Maryland is going to need to work on and improve moving forward for sure uh do you have we have a segment here called one big fix for maryland that can help them in their next game against minnesota i don't think one fix is going to be enough for this team i think there's a lot of things but what's your one thing that you would change if you were coach loxley I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there's necessarily one thing that I would change. I think that there are a lot of issues, but I think for me, the biggest thing that I would change is just including some more of those run pass options on offense, as we've talked about throughout the show and these shorter passes that Talia seemed really comfortable with and that the app, the offense was moving more. The other one that I would, would say is getting more of their younger playmakers involved, getting Rakeem Jarrett involved more, maybe putting him back there as a wildcat quarterback or on a jet sweep, getting Jay Sean Jones involved in a similar style. The other thing I would say is utilizing maybe some more pre-snap motion and having guys moving throughout the formation more and more, because as we've talked about on previous episodes, pre-snap motion gets the defense moving, gets their eyes looking in a different area. So that's something I would expect. And I'm interested to see if Maryland tries more moving forward. For me, yeah, it was uh, give Talia more layups, whether it's in the RPOs, whether it's in those uh, hitch passes, whether it's in maybe running the ball a little bit more. You got you got to make his job a lot easier. And for him, it's about taking what the defense gives you. You can, it's it's not that's not to say don't be aggressive, but it's make smart aggressive plays. Right, the best quarterbacks at all levels are able to be aggressive without making mistakes. The problem with Talia was he was being aggressive but he was making a lot of mistakes and you can't have that. He he's got to be a lot more accurate too. I thought you, you were talking about that bootleg that they ran for a uh, Demas. It was, it was for Demas. Yeah. And um, Talia missed a throw. He was rolling to his left there. I'd like to see that play moving to the right, just because it's a much easier throw for him, but his mechanics were off for a lot of the night. Uh, bad, bad, bad job setting his feet on a lot of plays pointing the wrong way. Those are really correctable things. And I think that's, a lot of it was based on pressure, the situation of the game, but those are things that he's going to be, have to be better on because he has to be better. If this team's going to be successful, it's, it's going to fall on him uh, going over our prediction, our predictions. You said that Maryland would win 31, 27. I said, Maryland would win 28, 27, obviously both wrong. I said two Talia touchdowns. And then you said one Jay Sean Jones touchdown incorrect there. Um, that's all I've got for Maryland. Any, any last thoughts before we move on to a quick look around the big 10? Yeah, one of the last things I just wanted to say for my third and final takeaway, which I didn't get a chance to discuss, was for me, Chase Campbell emerged as the unequivocal leader of this Maryland defense. He finished with 15 tackles last night, 10 solo. He was all over the field. As you referenced, it seemed like a lot of the Maryland defenders struggled with tackling. I don't think that that applied to Chance. He was physical. He was hard hitting. He was communicating in the defense. He spoke to us. Uh, to the media after the game, you could tell he's one of the leaders of the defense. And I think if Maryland's defense is going to improve moving forward, he's going to be the biggest guy leading that charge and he's going to be spearheading that charge. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how him and the entire defense bounces back this Friday. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for him to come out and talk to the T uh, talk to the reporters in the post game, 
they bought in uh, Coach Locksley, Talia, and then Chance. And, you know, that just kind of shows where his position is on this team. And I thought he actually played a pretty good game in terms of uh, being a pretty effective tackler. I don't know how good he's going to be in terms of coverage. I think on one of the – it was near the – it was the game was almost out of reach at that point, but Northwestern came down the field. It was near the goal line. They ran a uh, boot action, and he just got caught uh, in the – in the fray of everyone moving in and it was man coverage and his guy, he got beat for the touchdown, but right. He's a definitely an effective run defender. And I think that he's a smart player. He's going to call signals for this team. Let's see. Um, all right, let's go to around the big 10. Uh, let's start with this Ohio state still really good. They had a little bit of a scare with Nebraska, but Justin Fields was phenomenal. And I thought he's once again, showing that he's at worst, the third best player in the country. Yeah, Justin Fields was phenomenal. As you said, he threw a tremendous ball. The Ohio State receivers made excellent plays on the ball. They made some great catches in the end zone, and the Ohio State defense was solid and as advertised as always. And I'd be shocked if they don't end up winning this conference and even making the college football playoff later in the year because they looked like a juggernaut, and I expect them to continue looking like a juggernaut throughout this season. Yeah, uh, it was one of their biggest challengers – in uh, Penn State got upset. That was that, that was a really fun game in terms, of, especially that two point conversion near the end was that was fun to see. Um, anything else from you, Jacob? Before we sign off? Yeah, I was just going to say we quickly talked about how Penn State was shocked yesterday in Bloomington. Michael Penix, the Indiana quarterback, was phenomenal all game yesterday, particularly that extension diving for the two point conversion. I mean, we saw it in the NFL today. James Franklin and Penn State did it first yesterday. They had an opportunity to close <laughs> the game. The running back couldn't help himself and fell into the end zone. Todd Gurley did the same thing today in the NFL and both wound up in losses. The Nittany Lions lost yesterday and the Atlanta Falcons continued to Falcon and lost today. So I'm really excited to see next week's matchup between who would have thought two 1 0 teams in the Big Ten, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights <laughs> and the Indians after. After Rutgers looked very good and forced seven turnovers against Michigan State. So Greg Schiano got his first win in his new era. So they were definitely a team that stood out to me as well. And good for Rutgers. They've had a lot of turmoil these past couple of years. So it was nice to see Coach Schiano and them get a get a big win in the season opener. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so bad for Falcons fans, man. <laughs> Arthur Blake came down on the field because they were up by like 10 with like four minutes to go. Imagine being him and every time you come on the field, because I think he did the same thing during the Super Bowl they lost. Every time you come on the field, your team just chokes it away every single time. That that franchise is cursed for the next, I don't know how long. But uh, yeah, shouts to Greg Schiano. I wonder if uh, Tennessee fans are regretting uh, lobbying for... Jeremy Pruitt over him right now after seeing what he's going to do at Rutgers. I think he's a pretty good coach, actually. Uh, that's all we've got. As always, if you leave a review and ask a question, five-star review, only five-star reviews, anything else is a hater. Um, if you leave a review, we'll read it on the podcast and answer your questions. Rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. We'll be back later this week with a preview of Friday's game against Minnesota. This is the Hail Maryland Podcast. Mm-hmm.